Tonight we have a specific mission, have a target. I wrote a book, and it's been a number of years ago. Man, have you guys noticed years are passing by now like months used to pass by? We, something happened today, we were told, that happened five years ago to this very day. I thought, five years? Five years? Are you kidding me? Where did those five years go? But anyway, I wrote a book. I don't even know how many. This may have been 100 years. I don't even know. But it was a long time ago now. But in precatory prayers. But I've never taught on it. Because I've been waiting for the right time. And uh, this is the right time. And uh, we need to have this understanding. You know, I only see through a glass dimly. And uh, so this is not obviously going to cover the entire subject. Some of you don't even know what imprecatory prayer. I did not know. And I hope you'll have a little more understanding. But I pray, my prayer is, is that the revelation would go out far beyond these walls. You know, we want to be engaged. Basically, read the Psalms and just read it as you, like a prayer. And that's really what we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll add a bunch to that. But uh, also, I pray that it will go out all over and uh, because the times are desperate, if you haven't, you know, you know, we don't pay a lot of attention to some of these media outlets, but we do discern the times in which we're living. And we know it's a serious hour. So we, I feel like God's pulling out all the stops. He's holding nothing back. How many of you are glad for that? But he wants us to hold nothing back. And um, we have to go to war. I was thinking... I grew up in Louisiana, and my dad, you know, we had a business, a family business, where they, you know, we fixed, or they fixed. And I worked some during the summers with them growing up, but uh, typewriters, adding machines, calculators, copiers, you know, we serviced all the schools. And I remember as a little boy when they would pick up the typewriters from the high schools. How many of you even know what a typewriter is? Yeah, you guys you know, they don't even hardly make them. But, um, but anyway, in those days we did. They were called Underwood, if I remember right, and Victor. But anyway, they would bring hundreds of them in, and, you know, they'd clean them, and we'd blow them out and oil them and stuff. But they would type something, and it went like this. It said, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. And they would type that over and over and over and over because what it was, it was something I guess they used back in World War II, I don't know, before my time. But anyway, it was a good way to practice to see if the typewriter was working correctly. But how many of you know now is the time for all good men and women to come to the aid of the lost, the perishing nations, families, communities, cities, and uh, you name it. It's time to come and rise up. Now, I want to begin reading in Nehemiah, if you want to go there. I'm going to, I'm going to be in a lot of scriptures. Some of them I'm going to go very fast. So I'm just going to believe the Holy Spirit will help it stick, and it'll build up our spirit. And um, some of them will appear on the screen. But follow with me in the, in the Word. Go back and look at these scriptures later. Nehemiah chapter 4, this is how we'll begin. And verse 1, now it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. 
And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah the Amorite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, it will break down the wall. Here, and then here's the prayer from Nehemiah. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Now, that was a prayer. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we build the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. The people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Amorites and all, they, they heard, they were told about the wall and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they were very angry, and all of them conspired. Here's where the real conspiracy were coming from, the enemies of God. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come in the midst and we're going to kill them. We're going to do away with them. They had this conspiracy. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the opening, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. That means countrymen. Fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Now let me just review that real quickly. Then I'm going to pray and then jump into this. There's a sound of revival, the rebuilding of the wall. And you can hear it, that uh, echoing around. God's people are fulfilling the purposes of God. The enemies got wind of it. They hear about what's happening, and they're enraged. They despise what's happening. They conspire against the people of God. They want to wreck. They want to cause confusion, disorder. They're going after to make the people of God back off the wall. Nehemiah makes his intercession. He's calling out to the only one that can really help. How many of you know in this hour, there's really no one in Washington, D.C. that can help us in this hour. It is absolutely impossible with man, but it's possible with God. And so they set a watch, which means they're awake. You know, the woke movement is the satanic version It really is. It's the satanic version. We're to be awake and alert, discerning the times in our position, you know, doing the will of God. The the people were starting to grow weary, and there are a lot of intercessors right now that have probably grown weary in well-doing. We can't do that. The enemies of God's plan was to finish them off, kill them. And that 
is in many times in biblical history, and it's in our day as well. The thief is the one that steals, kills, and destroys. And you think he's retired from his job description. He's stealing, he's killing, and then massively, and he's destroying. But they were not to fear. They were to remember their God who was awesome. They were to fight for their countrymen, for their children, their sons, and their daughters. So, Lord, we ask you for revelation. We ask for wisdom. Help us, God. Help me, Lord, to to teach on these imprecatory prayers. Lord, let the revelation go far and wide. And, Lord, let let it bear great fruit and a harvest, a great harvest, Lord. Just, Lord, do something mighty because our hope is in you, Lord. But we thank you. You've called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to mention one thing to you guys that are watching online. I heard about an international day of prayer and fasting. And I don't know how these guys are going to get the word out. I just felt impressed to join be a part. So Wednesday, June the 1st, some of us, and hopefully you, and you'll share with your pastor, your leaders, maybe you will help us, but let's just get the word out. Let's just call from Moravian Falls and the other guys that are calling for wherever they live. An international day of fasting and prayer, Wednesday, June the 1st, to gather in our, you know, in our city squares, courthouse squares, wherever I'm going to get a group of pastors and do that, and then we'll meet here and worship. We'll figure out. You know, the plan is secondary. The key is we do it. We cry out to God for our nation, uh, for the lost, you know, repentance, ask God for mercy, and, uh, and then pray for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's just go for it. Let's just believe God, and so I'm going to challenge you to be a part of that. And, um, you know, one of the things we need to repent of is... What has happened to our land on our watch? And so these are the things. But does that sound like a good plan to you? So wherever you're from, do it. I'm just challenging you. Just get a group of people. You say, well, these guys, the pastors in my city, they won't do it. You do it. Just get a bunch of street bums. Go get people out of the bars. Say, hey, look, we're going to pray for our nation. They know we're in trouble. They will stand up. You tell them, look, our families are in jeopardy. The whole, the nations of the earth are in great turmoil. So let's pray and see what God will do. Does that sound like a plan? So anyway. Now, Numbers, you don't have to turn there, but Numbers chapter 21 verse 14 mentions the book of the wars of the Lord. And uh, we mentioned that a couple years ago. We actually had a conference here called the the Wars of the Lord Conference. People thought we were crazy. I thought I was crazy. I thought, Lord, who has a conference called the Wars of the Lord? And I felt like the Lord said, you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we did it. But anyway, we learned a little bit about there really was a book of the Wars of the Lord. It described the battles of God's people that when they left Egypt and they went in, you know, through the wilderness on the en route to the promised land, you can't find that book anymore because they don't know where it is, maybe some cave somewhere. But my own opinion is, and it was then too, that that book is still being written. And there's chapters 
which will speak of the last day battles on the earth. And there'll be many saints' names will be in there. And it's going to record people that are mentioned, I think. Daniel 11.32 talks about where it says, And the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And that word, great exploits, means they will stand strong and they will take action. We're not called to sit by and let somebody else do it. You know who the somebody else's are? Say, I'm it. That's it. We're they. You've wondered who they were. We're they. Who else is going to do this? I don't even know a lot of pastors that want to get involved in this fight. And so we're going to get involved. We have no choice. We fight for our sons, our daughters, our countrymen. We fight And that's what we're going to talk about. This is one way that we fight. Because either this is the way it's going to be. Either you're going to be at war with the beast system, or you're going to worship the beast system. Can I just tell you? One or the other. You're going to worship it, or you're going to be at war. Is this the beast system? Well, it sure has a lot of similarities. If it's not, it's because people rose up and became the church and pushed back the darkness. Could it be a premature beast system? Absolutely. The enemy's always trying to get ahead of things. But anyway, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to those that are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of of vengeance of our God. So the anointing, it's the Spirit of God we know lives within us. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. We're the temple, but He comes upon us and empowers us for ministry. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. I need fresh every day. But I remember, I, re- I know there have been distinct times when the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. How many of you are like that? You know it happened. It happened. We need a fresh baptism in this hour. You know, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, I'm not going to send the helper. How many of you know it's a good idea that the helper be with us? So he went away, so he sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, who would be with you and he would be upon you. And we've looked at that before in this church. He said it's to your advantage. So we, I don't think we're taking this out of context. We believe that we're always at the advantage The odds are always in our favor, so to speak. We're always at an advantage because of the Holy Spirit. Always. With us and the Holy Spirit, the devil is at at a great disadvantage. And so anyway, we believe that. So our foremost purpose tonight is to proclaim good news. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But also we're to heal the brokenhearted. You know, when Jesus is Lord over a nation, there's going to be liberty. When the Antichrist thinks he's Lord, what comes up? Bondage, oppression, tyranny, you lose your freedoms, the stuff we're seeing today, all the stuff. I found a scripture, actually I found it a long time ago, but I was reminded of it. Psalm 125, this is something we should be praying. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Did you hear that? The rule of wickedness shall not 
rest on the land allotted, given to the righteous. Now, that probably means it should not rest. It shall not rest. It's, it's a principle, but I think it's also a prayer. Our calling is for the opening of prison doors because there are many captive today to everything you can think of and to proclaim the acceptable year, the year of jubilee, you know, the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Now, you know, we've taught this before. The, the year of the Lord or the year of the favor of the Lord is a whole lot longer than the day of vengeance. So obviously, we should focus on the year of favor. But there's still a day of vengeance. And that day has come. And the church has something to do about it. Now, you go on and you read the rest of that scripture. He talks about how we're to comfort those who mourn, including those who mourn in Zion, God's people. Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 says, Let the unjust be unjust. Let the filthy be filthy still. They're going to be filthy still. The unrighteous are going to dig in. They're going to double down on their wickedness, right? Well, what are you and I supposed to do? Double down on righteousness. On whole. Let the holy be holy still. Let the righteous be righteous still. I remember back at the beginning of all the things that have happened over the last couple of years. I felt like the Lord said, the enemy is now in a time of a full court press. Remember that? And we have to make a goal line stand. But a goal line stand is not going to do it in this hour. we got to be on the offensive. We're going to be offensive anyway, so we might as well go on offense. We're going to offend somebody. Hopefully, we'll offend hell. That's the purpose. That's the goal. That's who we are. Hell should be on the alert. And I think they are. The church is the last line of defense in this hour. If you think America, if you think your nation is going to get out of this on its own because of some politician that has some new idea, you got another thing coming. Men can't do it, but God can. But God uses his people. There's the sovereignty of God. We'll talk about this later, but there's the responsibility of man. Some things God, I mean, only God can do. But there's some things God won't do if he's called you to get up and believe him and call out to him for it and do what you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? Anyway, that'll become more clear. Now, in Nehemiah's day, they prayed, but they prayed obviously with some power because they saw some victory. What does the scripture say for us? It says in James 5.16, and this is a passion. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer or the righteous. And our righteousness has nothing to do with who we are. It's all who he is and what he's done for us. So we have the promise. Ask and it shall be what? Given. Knock, the door's going to be open. To everyone that asks, everyone knocks, everyone you're going to receive. And we believe. And then they set a watch, stay alert. Don't join the woke crowd. Stay awake. Stay alert. Be the faithful. They were growing faint, and many are growing faint in this hour. How many of you have been tempted to grow faint? Because the news is overwhelming. It was overwhelming to David. 
rubbish. There was so much rubbish, that's what the Scripture says. That means dust, dirt, so much dirt that it cannot be counted. In other words, the enemy was coming from every direction. How many of you know the enemy's coming from every direction in this hour? Every direction you can think of, there's an assault against the people of God, against the church, against freedom, against truth, morally, justice, trusted institutions, the media, communication. Economically, we're hearing them do things that you would, why would you do something like that? That's going to cause famine. Why would you, why would you do that? Because the hearts of men are wicked. We have a worldview, and the worldview is, oh, no, 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 that's the problem. Much of the church still has a worldview. We should have a biblical worldview. And that is that the heart of man is deceitful and wicked, capable of any evil you could ever imagine. And in this hour, we're seeing it come to pass. Now, I just thought I'd mention this. Because I've always wondered about this. And if I'm wrong, will you forgive me? You know, these guys that want to take over the seven mountains, if you have faith for that, go ahead and go for it. I hadn't seen it happening. What I'm seeing is we need Isaiah 64 that says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, O God, and that the mountain, that you would come down, and that the mountains would shake at your presence. That you, Lord, would cause water to boil, the Word of God, and that you would make your name known to your adversaries. If that happens, you ain't going to have to take over a mountain. The presence of God will demolish the mountains of darkness and remove them from the land. Now, I know some people don't agree with that. It's okay. Let it be according to your faith. Go take over the mountain of government. Go for it. Anyway, don't let me, don't let me cause you any doubt. If you said you can do it, go do it. But I do know the word says that as the increase of his government, there will be no end. So obviously, there's, some, there's a lot of things here we need to consider. But they picked up their weapons. They positioned themselves. They couldn't fear. They were to fear God. Remember the Lord is great. You remember that song by Rich Mullins, Our God is an Awesome God? Remember that? How many of you do not remember that? I, it just tells how, how you're young. You guys are young. You probably don't. But anyway, I, we should sing that again. Hey, sing it again. Listen to this. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns in heavens above. When he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the ritz. There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fist. We don't sing stuff like that anymore. And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. He, it wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. Now we know why he probably died in a, what, he died in an airplane crash or something, or what happened? Car crash. The enemy probably hated him. But the rest, of, and when the sky was starless and the void of the night, he spoke into the darkness and created the light. Judgment and wrath he poured out on Sodom. Mercy and grace he gave us at the cross. I hope you have not too quickly forgotten that our God is an awesome God. And then they fought in Nehemiah for their countrymen, their sons, and their daughters. So this is about prayer, but it's about going on the offensive. And um, in Nehemiah chapter 4, 
and verse 4 and 5. Let me just read those two verses. This is a prayer. Hear, O God. You don't even have to come up with this. All you got to do is read from the Bible. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. All I'm doing is reading. I'm just reading. And do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. Now, I know we're New Testament believers, and we'll get to what, you know, we are under a new covenant. We'll get there. But when you read this, don't just read it. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. In other words, God is sovereign, but he wants us to do our part. Does that make sense? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His grace is enough. And you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't, do you think Satan is going to come to a day and have some banner and say, look, we proved that the grace you gave the church didn't, was not enough. It, it wasn't enough. No, he's, no, he's not going to have a trophy. We're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, the kingdom of God is going to come regardless. But the will of God being done on the earth, doesn't it require our cooperation? Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. He had to cooperate, so you and I have to cooperate. Is God's will going to automatically be done in you? Now, it's God who works in us, both to will and to do his good pleasure. But he's got to work in us. So we have to surrender our own will. Does that make sense? So that's what God's looking for, those who will surrender. Isaiah 60, you remember, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. How many of you think that might be happening? If it happens any worse, beam me up, man. I don't want to be around here. Because if, 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 you, if you have any discernment, things are getting really wicked. They're getting really dark. But that just means the light can shine that much brighter, Right? Because he said, the glory of the Lord. Yes, darkness will cover, but the glory of the Lord will arise over you. So these will either be the days you can run to the hills and hide, or you can run to the building that's on fire because there's lost people inside of it. And if we don't run, they're going to perish. Which are you going to be? There are a lot of folks running to the hills. And over the next few months, there'll probably be a whole lot more And I'm not saying all that's bad, but we got to run into the building because there's a lot of people perishing. Does that make sense? Because it's still God's will that none should perish, that all would come to repentance. In other words, we got to work the works of him who sent us while it is day because night is coming when no man will work. The Lord, Psalm 144, the Lord our rock has trained your hands for war. And your fingers for battle. The battles that we're sure to face. Here's another scripture, Joshua 1.8. So if you don't remember all this, these are words, scriptures spoken over you. Joshua 1.8, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember, Jesus said before. 
before he left, all authority has been given unto me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them all things. Whatsoever I said unto you, I taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I think that says that I'm with you even at the end of the age. If this proves to be the end of the age, at least we will have not been the woke crowd that really was asleep. At least we were engaged in the fight. And then we'll let God determine the times. And they're in his hands anyway. It seems like I read a scripture in the book of Daniel where it's speaking of the Antichrist that none of this stuff would happen until the appointed time. The appointed time. In other words, you're only going to get away with just whatever he allows you to. Because you're not going to do anything before the appointed time. God sets the appointments. But we got to be about our job. Does that make sense? Is everybody still with me? Okay. Exodus 15.3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. I know God is a God of love. Obvious. We better be a people of love. But a people of truth. The greatest attribute of God is love, Right? But he also said he did not come to condemn the world. But he came to a world of folks that were under condemnation. Because they did not believe in him, right? Is that what the scripture says? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Because, it goes on, he who does not believe in him is condemned already. How much more can you be under condemnation? I've heard people say, you got to be careful, don't condemn. They're already condemned. They're condemned. You're there to get them out of it, to point them to the one who can deliver them from it. And uh, because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus clearly explained that uh, condemnation, you know, there are those that are condemned. They don't, they don't want to even hear the truth because they love darkness. And he that practices evil, it says, hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. In other words, on the cross, the last thing he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. One of the last things. But still, there's the goodness of God. And what else is there? The severity of God. 1 John four seventeen: love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so you and I are to be in the world. Remember, the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. The Egyptians come. Here's what they say. I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. I will draw the sword. My hand shall destroy them. You know, the enemy's still doing the same thing, isn't he? And the future looked bleak. They backed up against the Red Sea. There was no hope except that Moses, the deliverer, would stretch forth his hand. At least that's the way it was on the movie. But the main thing was the power of God came and demonstrated. And God overthrew the horses. And he overthrew the evil. He consumed them like stubble. Now back to the vengeance of the Lord. Here's what uh, Psalm 94 says. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs... Here's a good prayer. O oh God, to whom vengeance belongs, shine forth, rise up, O oh judge of the earth. 
render punishment to the proud. You know that's in the Bible. What are you supposed to do? Skip that when you get to that part? It's a prayer. A day of vengeance is coming. God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Now, the church is to play a role, and this is where you're going to have, we have to listen, and I have to explain it correctly. Lord, help me to rightly define, divide the word. But the church has a role in the execution of the judgments of God on the earth. If we don't do our part, will it get done? You know, God is sovereign, but we're responsible. Psalm 9. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they made, in the net which they hid. Their own foot is caught. The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hand. You know, when Jesus returns, you know how he's coming? How is he coming? as a judge, and to make war. Well, he's going to have some saints that are involved in that war. This honor have all ye his saints. Listen listen to this. Psalm 149, beginning with verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth, and a two-edged sword in your hand, the word of God, to execute. That's a hard word to say for New Testament believers. Say execute. You said it. Okay. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings, their ruling authorities, their cha- with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all ye his saints. How many saints are in here? How many saints are watching? And then you know how it ends? Praise the Lord. That's what it says. Praise the Lord. It says the written judgment. Imprecatory prayer is not our judgment. Because if it's our judgment, the wrath of man will never, it's not going to have anything to do with the righteousness of God. It's the written judgment of God. It's our agreeing on earth with what is forever settled, the word of God In heaven, it's settled in heaven, but we must agree and uh, declare it on the earth. It's agreeing with and declaring his written judgments. His word is forever settled in heaven. Now, when we look at the Psalms, now this hit hit me last week, because I'm still putting some of this together. David, in all of these prayers in the book of Psalm, I don't see where he mentions Saul by name. Now, if you find it, come tell me. I mean, he mentioned Saul by name, but I mean in praying these kind of prayers. He just prays, God, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And God fills in the blank. Now, look over in uh, Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. You guys, everybody's still with me. You guys online, you're paying attention there. Because you're going to have to do this. We're in the army now. We're in the army of God. Let me tell you, hell is, hell is shaking if the church can grasp. Just, this is just one little aspect. And, uh, but we, we, we've got to walk in this, especially in this hour. 
because the time is growing short. Now, verse 29. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy festival is kept, and gladness of heart is when one goes with a flute to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. The Lord will cause his glorious voice to be heard. I'm going to show you how his voice is heard in this hour in a moment. And show the descent of his arm. Now, if God's arm descends, that's a serious thing in my book, with the indignation of his anger. Do you know there are people that say God never gets angry? Do you know the Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day? I'm just saying. And the flame of a devouring fire with scattering tempests and hailstones. God sounds a lot more serious than much of the church gives him credit for. And through the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be beaten down. And he strikes as he strikes with the rod. And in every place where the staff of punishment passes, which the Lord lays on him, it will be with tambourines. And this is with our praise and worship. And we understand, these guys, we understand this. With the battles of brandishing, he will fight with it. In other words, it's the praises of God's people, but it's also the two-edged sword in their hand. Because the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. According to the Psalms, when the saints living on the earth declare what heaven has already established, then the written judgments will be executed. You know what the word executed means? Accomplished, fulfilled, finished, done on the earth as it is in heaven. I've, I've always believed. Now, this is not in the notes. I want to stay to the notes. I want to be faithful. But I've always believed, you know, when the Lord said it is finished, that before, now he said, as my father sent me, so send I you. I believe with all my heart, before it's said and done for the church on the earth, there's going to be some kind of a testimony that, is, that shouts, it is finished. Because he's, now you think we're not going to complete what he sent us to do? As the Father sent me, so send I you. So he's given us grace to do what he sent us to do. Now, I don't think we're going to say it is finished, but somehow there's going to be a testimony. The church, because hell is not going to get to sound off before the Lord. Your church didn't finish what you gave them to do. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to be me and you. It'll be somebody. But I declare it's going to be me and you. So when the saints of God agree with what heaven has already established and determined, the vengeance of God is executed on the powers of darkness that seek to enslave humanity and entire nations. And the souls of people will be set free. Now, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. Is the enemy coming in like a flood in America, in England, in Germany? We're finding out the stats. I can't really mention it all right now because, you know, they deplatform you. Not that we're afraid of that. I just want to finish what I have to say. Then they can deplatform me all they want. Because you're not going to silence the Word of God. You may silence some individuals, but God's going to raise up. He's going to have a voice in this hour. And you're going to hear His voice one way or the other. I'm just sorry. I don't mean to say that 
but I do mean to say that. I'm, I know we're supposed to be loving. I am. But I'm also believing that we have some stones that we're going to start slinging in this hour. Because I'm tired of people dying. I'm tired of people being destroyed and devoured. You know, we have something to say about this. We should just repent for all the people that have died on our watch because of gross deception that's sweeping the land. Anyway, what is that standard? You know, here's what the word means, standard. It means to vanish away, to chase or subside. Another version, to flee or put to flight. So that's how the enemies, God, the enemies of God are put to flight when the standard is raised. Who is that standard? Or what is that standard? We could really go into this, and we will on another time, and we have before. It's the message of redemption. That's where it begins. It says in Isaiah 59, the Redeemer shall come. It's the truth, because truth had fallen in the streets. Has any truth fallen in the streets in this hour? It's His Word in your mouth. Now, why... Would it say the word of God in your mouth? Because you're supposed to speak it. So the standard is opening up your mouth and speaking, thus saith the Lord. It's his covenant. It's his promises. And I do not think it's an accident that Isaiah 60 follows Isaiah 59. And not just because it's the next number. Because in Isaiah 60, it says, arise and shine. Talks about the standard in 59, 60, arise and shine for your light has come and darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness and all of that. So we have something to do about it. Now in the early 1990s, I was at a, we were at a conference in Florida and this is when I was just learning about the prophetic. I was slow on the block. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, but I, but I, I wondered about it. And anyway, it was through a long process that the Lord introduced me to the Holy Spirit. And I remember the day I said, God, I don't know anything about all the Holy Spirit stuff, but if you will open my heart and my mind, I'll believe it. I remember where I was. I remember praying that prayer. And you know what he did? He opened up my heart and my mind, and I started seeing things I'd never seen before. And I remember the day, too, the prophetic made no sense to me. I thought it was something, the latest deception, I didn't know, from the devil. What do you mean prophetic? What is that? I knew God wrote a book, but I didn't know he had a voice, that he could actually speak. Does that make sense? Any, were any of you else like that? Anyway, I, I remember the day I said, God, I'm going to step into the prophetic. I have no idea what it is. And I'll probably look foolish, but I'm going to step in. And I went out somewhere. You don't remember this, but I stepped. I said, God, by faith, I'm stepping into the prophetic. Now, you got to make it make sense. And you know what he did? He made it make sense. I went to places like Christian International. And Dr. Hammond stood up and he said, there is coming a day when God is going to, again, raise up imprecatory prayers on the earth. And I remember thinking, what? What is an imprecatory prayer? I couldn't, even, I couldn't even pronounce it. But something clicked in my heart. Well, guess what? This is the day. Derek Prince, 
I remember him mentioning this, and somebody gave me some tapes. To look, let me show you this. Psalm 55. This is one of those imprecatory prayers. Follow along in the, you know, online. Look, look at this. This is a great prayer. But I want to, let's just read through this. And we're really getting toward closer and closer to the end. But I, and, and I know I can't cover the whole subject. It's, I don't know how you would. We're learners. A disciple is a learner. We don't know it all. I don't know it all. I just know we're in a deep trouble, and we've got to use everything at our disposal. And, um, and I'm willing to step up to the plate. So anyway, Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God. See if this doesn't fit with today. Lord, don't hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. This is David. He said, I'm restless in my complaint, and I'm moaning my moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. You ever felt that way? The enemy hates you. If, you, if you're a lover of God, he will hate you. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. This is David. King, you know, his enemies are pursuing him. He didn't mention them by name, but he's overwhelmed. And the word in the Hebrew means, I'm, I feel like I'm covered. I can't get out from this darkness that's the trembling the horror. So I said in verse 6, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I'd wander far off and remain in the wilderness. You see, what it, you see where his heart was. Man, if I could get away from all this, I would right now. How many of you would get away? I told Shirley yesterday, Shirley, maybe we'll wake up and it'll all be a nightmare of what's happening in the nation and the things we're hearing. Maybe we'll wake up and it'll be all over. Uh, it ain't happening. We're going to have to do something else about it. And it's in the psalm. How many of you would like to get away from it all? Lord, I'm going on a vacation. I'm tired of hearing all this bad news. I'm going to the beach. If you want to come with me, come. I mean, that's not bad to go to the beach. But take him with you. And set captives free while you're there. But anyway, he wanted to get away. But look, okay, let me, I'm going to come back to verse 9. Don't go there yet. For I've seen, look at 9b. For I've seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls. Inequity and trouble all are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. Sounds like America today. But then verse 16, as for me, I'm going to call on God. And the Lord shall save me. But look in verse 9. Here's a, this is what Derek Prince, I had never seen this until Derek Prince pointed it out. And he said, there's coming a day the church is going to have to pray this prayer. Verse 9. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. That's an imprecatory prayer. Now, the tongues means their communication. Is the communication, is the waves in the media and the, is it wicked? Or is it wicked? So this is a good prayer. Father God, in the name, I'm just reading the Bible, Lord. And it says in Psalm 55, 9, O Lord, destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. 
destroy the communication of the wicked and divide, separate their tongues, Lord. That's just a prayer. And we can pray that prayer. Well, practical points in imprecatory prayers. Here's some things. Number one, imprecatory prayer is our hearing and then agreeing with what God has said. Not what I want, because our wrath is not going to accomplish the righteousness of God. We don't even want to have wrath. Does that make sense? But there is the wrath of God, and there is a righteous anger. There is, should be when people are being destroyed, when our children are being marked to being whatever it is. I mean, everything that they're planning. Imprecatory prayers are hearing and then agreeing with what God has said he will do and who he is as written in his word that is forever settled in heaven, his written judgments. Does that make sense? Imprecatory prayer is our agreeing, praying, and our participation in God's will as defined in his word. And his will is the favor of God and the vengeance of God. We pray his kingdom come and his will be done on earth, and both are going to happen. But in participating in the kingdom of God, does not the scripture say about us, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Is that what it says? No, we passively sit by and let everybody die. Let the nations be overrun. Let No, it's not what it says. Now, I know not everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon. There's always been a, re- a remnant of warriors. You know, Nehemiah was a builder and a warrior. David was a worshiper and a warrior. Deborah had to be. She was a worshiper too. But she had to be a warrior because she helped raise up an army. Okay, another thing. Imprecatory prayer is the church participating in the release of his written judgments and his justice. We've been saying, okay, God, bring your justice now. They've just discovered some more deception. It's being exposed. And we think the government's going to rise up and enforce justice. Have you noticed the government is corrupt? You think the government is going to put in jail themselves? It ain't going to happen. So how's the justice going to come? By the church of the living God. Imprecatory prayer is the church being on the offense and probably offensive to religion and especially spiritual darkness. Causing darkness to vanish from the land. That's the standard, vanish. Does this, am I right? Is this sound? Are, is darkness not supposed to vanish? Light is supposed to be greater. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, what happens? He throws the salt out. It's good for nothing, so they'll be trampled underfoot by men. You know who said that? Jesus. Imprecatory prayer is a violent intercession against the spiritual host of wickedness. And it results in the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. 
Imprecatory prayer is confidently declaring ourselves victorious because of the victories won in Christ. In other words, it's operating from a position of victory. Not gaining victory, but I am. I always triumph in Christ Jesus. Imprecatory prayer is the church being sought in light in every sphere of society. There are many, I'm sorry, pastors who will not touch the political issues. Are you saying that, okay, the kingdom of God is to, take, is to be in every sphere of society, but politics? No. There was a day in America they, wouldn't, they didn't even vote for people unless they, they believed they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They wanted godly men and women. Now, that's not 100%, but a large majority of Americans that voted, they believed these men and women had to have a walk with God. They weren't about to put heathen in some. Now, some of them were heathen. A lot of them were heathen. But anyway, there was a different mindset. I feel that way myself. Who do you want making decisions for your children? Somebody that whose God is the God of this world or whose God is the God of heaven and earth? It just makes common sense. So that's why you should vote. I'm not saying don't vote. But, you know, there are people that say the separation of church and state. You know where that came from? A chamber in hell. I don't know which one it was. But Satan sent some demons. He said, you go tell them there's, a, there's something called the separation of church and state. How are you going to separate God from anything? God's supposed to be all in all. All things were created for him and by him and through him. And without him, nothing exists. God is to be all in, in all. You're to invite him to our schools. That's why they wanted to kick him out. And that's why we want to invite him back. Amen. Anyway, I'm just, okay, in precatory prayers, the church walking in its authority and its inheritance. Did Jesus not say, behold, I give you authority to trample on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy? And nothing shall by any means harm you. In purgatory prayers, the church defining the times rather than the times defining the church. In purgatory prayers, not a replacement for repentance from sin, obviously. You know, in purgatory prayers, not an escape from persecution, obviously. Yes, all of those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will do what? Suffer persecution. So I'm not saying we get out of any of this. I'm just saying we be the church in the midst of it. Imprecatory prayers must include the truth that all men, it's God's desire that all men should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But I always say this. If God did not want you to pray all, pray all the imprecatory prayers, especially in the book of Psalms, He would not have included those psalms in the Bible. Don't you think he would have not done that? Or he would have put a disclaimer. When you read Psalm 7, read it like you don't mean it. That's most of the church that reads most of the Bible. We need to read it like we mean it and believe it. Because when the scriptures speak, God speaks. Okay. Christians throughout all generations, you know, they've gained comfort from the book of Psalms. How many of you knew it was also a strategic 
warfare manual. It really is. Now, we know the book of Revelation is. It's a manual for living in the age that we're living in. And uh, Philippians 3 says, For many walk of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Paul said, I'm weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Imprecatory prayers puts the enemies to flight, but it also breaks the host of wickedness and darkness so that even the hardest of sinners can be set free. Psalm 37, for a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Now, this is going to happen. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish. Into the smoke they shall vanish away. That's not being cruel. I'm just reading what Psalm 37 says. It's not the wicked that will ultimately inherit the earth. It's the righteous. Imprecatory praying is all about our agreeing on earth with its already have been established. Now, this is important because this is what people have said. Imprecatory prayers, that's you placing curses on. No, it's not. We're not, how are you going to curse what is already cursed anyway? (laughs) Psalm 119, 21. You rebuke the proud, the cursed. You rebuke them. They are the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. They're already under a curse. They're already under condemnation. We want them delivered. We want them delivered. But we also are not going to back off and let them destroy our sons and our daughters and our families and our country and our nation. That's what Nehemiah says, rise up and fight. Okay, here's some prayers in the Bible. Lamentations chapter 3, O Lord, you have seen how I am wronged. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. Their conspiracies. You have heard their reproach, O Lord. All their schemes against me, the lips of my enemies, and their whispering against me all the day long. Look, look, God, at their sitting down and their rising up. I am their taunting song. Repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. That's in the Bible. Now, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So there has to be somewhere in this as well. Because Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So that's where we come in. We're not seeking our own will but the will of the Father, who also we were sent by Jesus the Son. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. It's not our will. It's the Father's will being revealed. Imprecatory prayers reveals the goodness of God, but the greatness of God. And it also reveals that God is God. 
And the church cannot stand down. Say, I'm not going to stand down. Because a lot are standing down right now. And they're waiting to see what happens. That's not a good plan. It's not a good plan. Say, well, I'm just going to wait and see how this turns out. It's not a good plan. Psalm 118, I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me, and he set me in a broad place. That means you can be anywhere in America. If he sets you in a broad place, there will always be a, a place to hide or a place to escape or a place to run to because he is your sanctuary anyway. He's your hiding place. But he goes on. He says, the Lord is on my side, and I will not fear what man can do to me. For the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Here's another example, and I'm going to wrap it up. Psalm 5, verse 10. Their throat is an open tomb. Here's a prayer. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O Lord. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they've rebelled against you. Now, what are you going to pray that with a disclaimer? God, I pray this, but I really don't mean it. No, just pray it. Does that make sense? Now, David knew this. He said, for you're not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity, and you shall destroy those who speak lies. That's what the Scripture says. So it's confidently declaring that our God is victorious. Psalm 118, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what man can do. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me and all the nations that surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy, I will cut them off. Here's another, goes on. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Now, here's one more. Psalm 120, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, O false tongue? And here's what he said. Sharp arrows of the warrior, of the mighty one, with coals of the broom tree. The message translation goes on to say, do you know what's next, you liar? Do you know what's next? You will see what's coming, all you barefaced liars. Here's what's coming, according to the Scripture. Pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. It's in the Bible. Now, David's heart. My soul is up too long with the one who hates me. He hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And here's another prayer he prayed. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows, Lord, and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me out of the great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. 
Now, this is really where we wrap it up. I've been saying it. But remember in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And in case anyone questions you, tell them, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That's what it says. Oh, well, there's a bunch more. Psalm 5, Psalm 7, many of them. Here's how my last prayer. You guys come on up. Maybe we could worship a minute or two. We're going to ministry around the altar. If you want to be baptized, see Shirley. Thanks for bearing with me. It took a little longer than I thought. But did, did this make sense to some of you guys? You know, we're just, we're sowing the word of God over the nation too. Okay. And uh, I don't know who I was going to listen to this, but we're, this is war. We have to be engaged. Here's a prayer, Psalm 7. Behold, the wicked bring forth iniquity. Yes, they conceive trouble and they bring forth falsehood. But they made a pit and they dug it out and they have fallen into the ditch which they made. His trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. Amen. Amen. Now this doesn't replace repentance. But one of the things we should repent of is allowing the enemy to devour what he should have never been allowed to devour. Lord, I thank you for this strategy of prayer in the Bible, imprecatory prayers. And Lord, I thank you for men that spoke that there would come a day when the church would need and they would have to pray these prayers again. Lord, I ask you to give us the love that you had for the lost. But Lord, also give us that, Lord, that heart that you had to deliver, Lord, those who were perishing, those who were dying. Lord, we're asking you to remember the the multitude of children that are being slaughtered, murdered, abused, satanic ritual abuse. God, all these things. God, would you rise up in this hour? Lord, let your vengeance be made known. Your judgments Lord, let them be executed against the wicked who are devouring the innocent. Lord, we ask for salvation and that your righteousness would be made known. Lord, we ask you to rise up and declare and prove yourself to be good, to be great, but also to be God. Let it be known there is no other God. Lord, bring down the kings of the earth that have set themselves against you. And let your righteousness be proclaimed. And Lord, I ask you to cover. If I, if I said anything that wasn't exactly right, Lord, just let it fall to the ground. But Lord, it's your word that will endure forever. Your truth that will prevail. God, forgive us for being a passive, weak, timid, sissy church in America. I repent on behalf of the church where we've We've erred on the wrong side. And maybe if you're going to err, maybe erring on the love of God is the better way to err. But Lord, help us walk 
in the center, declaring your love, but also your vengeance. Because there's coming a day of judgment. And help us remind the world that that day has arrived. And there's salvation in no other. And that's why your son came to the cross. The cross was the cruelest judgment known. And that is the only relief from the judgment that awaits sinful, wicked men. It's coming to the cross where salvation is found. And we pray for a great harvest. And Lord, that's what we're going after in our nation. That the harvest would not be lost in this hour. And we pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. In Jesus' name, amen.